Hello. Hey, there we go. Hi, everyone. Hi. Now, I know that goes for 23 seconds, that intro video. You guys here didn't quite see it, but for those at home, did get to see it. And I know it goes for 23 seconds, but man, when you're standing up here, it feels much longer than 23 seconds. And you're waiting here going, okay, all right, it's almost done, it's almost done, it's almost done. But today, I'm up here, and usually, I'm behind the desk there, but today I'm going to be giving us today's message on our series, The Ways, the Words, and the Works of Jesus. So let me just start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray today, I thank you that, we're, that for those that are here in the building, that they're able to come here and that we're able to be in worship, we're able to hear a great worship from the worship band, that we're able to hear a great message. And for those that are at home, I pray that all the tech goes smoothly, that they're able to hear the message today, and I pray a, pray a blessing on this message today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, have you ever had that one friend, that teacher, or even a family member that talks to you in riddles? Or they'll answer your question with another question. Like, how frustrating is that? You know, all you want is just a straight answer. And, you know, you, give, you ask them a question, and all it takes is yes or no. But they give you back a question. Now, I remember at my old job, my old boss, he, he came up to me one day and he said, Josh, do you think I swear too much? And I replied to him saying, no, I, I, I don't think you swear too much. And at the time, I, I genuinely thought he didn't swear too much. That may have changed, but I genuinely thought he didn't swear that much. But I, after that interaction, I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, that was a real easy way to kind of answer him. What, what, what would have happened if I said to him, what do you think? You know, do you swear too much? Do you think you swear too much? And now that, that would have gotten him thinking. Rather than me just going, no, and he just wanders off going, all right, you know, forgets about it. If I then said, well, do you think you swear too much? Well, then he would have thought about it. Now, Jesus was a bit like this. Jesus was an indirect communicator. And to kind of help us unpack what that means, I'm going to paint a picture for you guys. Now, think of yourself as a first century farmer. Put your mind all the way back to the time of Jesus. Jesus has been born. And you're, you're a farmer and you're a first century, first century farmer. And you've got, you know, maybe a wife, maybe a husband, You've got your kids, and life's okay for you as a farmer. You're, you've got your crops, you've got your crops of wheat, you may have a couple of animals or two, but, you know, you've had to sell one of your cows because the tax collectors are in town, and, oh, boy, they're getting greedy. And you're really hoping that the next harvest of, of your wheat is going to be good because, guess what, the Romans are here too and they're currently occupying, and they want a piece of the action. So life's, life's okay for you as a first century farmer, but, but you're doing it tough. You're doing it tough. Now, you hear, you hear on the grapevine, you hear these tales of, of this traveling man named Jesus. And he's teaching, he's telling stories, and you even catch a word of people who are sick getting healed, and you're like, oh my gosh. And so... 
you're like, okay, you go say to your wife, all right, no, I want, I want to go here, I want to go here, this, this man. And so you, you go into town and there's a large, large crowd that's been gathered. And, you, you know, you may see one of your friends, you say hi, and you're like, okay, cool, you know, go and go. On. And one person says out of the crowd, Jesus, what is the kingdom of God like? And you're like, oh, oh, this is real good because, you know, we're struggling at the moment. I'm probably going to have to sell off my, the rest of my animals because to pay, just, just to pay for rent. And I, I just really want to know what, what the kingdom of God's like. And so Jesus replies, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters, who scatters seeds on the ground. Night and day while he sleeps or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops, and on its own, first a leaf blade pushes through, then the head of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle for the harvest time to come. You know, you know, you're standing there, you're taking this all in, you're like, okay, cool, okay, cool. And then he continues, and you're like, oh, cool. How can I describe the kingdom of God, Jesus says? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and, bir and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus, so, and it makes a nest in its shade. And you're standing there going, okay, all right, hang on a second. So you as a first century farmer have just listened to Jesus tell these two parables and you're like, but isn't he talking about me? Like, the kingdom of God is not like me though. I'm the farmer in that story and I don't have the kingdom of God and the like a mustard seed or a bush or what, like what? I, that, surely that can't be what the kingdom of God is. And you turn to your friend and you're both confused. And all right, let's, let's go back home. And you, you go meet your wife, your family and everything. And she asks you, oh, so, so what was Jesus like? And you're like, oh, he's crazy. Like, I don't know what he's on about. He said something about a bush and the farmer came to... I don't know, I'm going to go tend to my crops. So you go out to your crops. And you say, and you're a good Jewish person, you've been brought up on the Hebrew Scriptures. And as you're tending to your crops, tending to your soil, you remember Isaiah 55, now specifically 10 to 11. And it says, The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And you're thinking about this, this verse and, you're, and it dawns on you like, hang on. The grain will grow produce seed for the farmer, which is like the word sent out, which produces fruit. Hang on, did Jesus read this scripture? Was, is this what he's referring to in, in this story? Maybe this guy's onto something. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's got more. Maybe he's not crazy after all. See, 
Jesus was an indirect communicator for a reason. So let's, let's go out of this, this mind kind of illustration, come back from our first century farmer to us here today. Jesus was an indirect communicator for a reason. As we heard in the last verse, Jesus used stories and illustrations to teach so that those that were listening, those that had ears to hear, could understand. Jesus' parables addressed situations that were very familiar to his ancient listeners. By talking to them in familiar situations, such as farming, like our first century farmer, such as farming, to introduce concepts of, the king, of God's kingdom into the minds of the listeners. But here's a kicker. But oftentimes Jesus told parables that left his listeners puzzled or confused. Yet Jesus used parables as a key way to announce the coming kingdom of God among a new kind of people, his new covenant he was bringing. He got, people, he got people to think about what he was saying, inviting them in. You know, because imagine, like, imagine he's telling all these stories and you're just like all in awe, like you've got ears to hear and you just want to sit with him and you just want to just ask questions and just listen to what he's saying. But the flip side of this is what it was only for people that had ears to hear. What also the parables did, it filtered out people. So as we saw with the Pharisees, it filtered out people that did not want to listen, people that did not have ears to hear. And for them, it cemented that this person was wrong. For them, they heard the parables, they heard the stories, the teaching, and, they, and it actually in their minds went, no, 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 this guy is wrong. And that's when everything about the, how they wanted to try and trip him up, challenge him, that's when all that started. Now, remember what Kerry said last week, the, sower of the, the parable of the sower of the seed. The farmer goes, goes off, sows, sows the seed on different soils, rocky grounds. And these, this kind of reflects what Kerry was saying because Jesus is the sower, the word is the seed, and we're the soil. And not all of us have good soil. Not all of us that, go, that the seed gets thrown out to has good soil. And so for the parables, it, it both had for ears to hear, so inviting people in, but for the rocky ground, it, the seed just bounced off. Now you would think, okay, we're talking like cryptic nature, like Jesus, like he's not really giving straight answers. And you would think the the person, the creator of all life, the heavenly father, would just be direct, like would just say, this is what you need to do, this is how you should live. You know, there'll be no miscommunication, you know. It'll just all be quite simple for us. It'd be real easy, wouldn't it? But that wasn't the case. See, imagine Jesus, you know, you're back in, you're back, back in the first, first century farmer, you know. You know Jesus is a traveling man, he's a wandering man, and and you know he doesn't have a place to stay. And you go to him, oh, Jesus, come, come, I've got a house, come stay the night. And he replies to you, which is found in Luke 9, uh, Luke 9 verse 8. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And you're standing there because he's just given you that, going, is that a yes or a no? Because that's all the question was, right? That's all the question was, was, Jesus, come, 
stay, stay a night. I know you don't have a place. Stay a night. And he says, well, the Son of Man doesn't have a place to rest his head. That wasn't a yes or no. See, when Jesus was direct, as we get to the further, of the, further down the Gospels and Jesus, the documentation of Jesus' life, when Jesus was more clear, what happened? Oh, they crucified him. When Jesus was clear, they writ a charge against him and they strung him up onto the cross. To uh, paraphrase a biblical scholar, Jesus' parables aren't what children are taught in Sunday school. Early childhood, early stories with heavenly meaning. They're not that. Rather, they are an expression of Jesus' shocking announcement that the kingdom of God was arriving. Now you're going, okay, that's great and all, all right? But how, how do we then read the parables? How this parable, specifically about the mustard seed, how do we read it? How do we interpret what this means? So I'm going to tell you. We're going to, we have to look at it in three ways. Three ways. We have to first look at the context of what it is. So where the context of the parable sits in. What are the gospel writers, specifically for us, Mark, what have they written, what have they given us to give us the context of the parables? Secondly, what are the key points and characters for us? And thirdly, how do we use them? What is the significance to the listeners at the time so that we can then take that significance and apply it to us? So let's look at the mustard seed. If we look at the mustard seed... The parable of the mustard seed, the context that it sits in, if you look at the start of the chapter, it actually says that Jesus was teaching in a large crowd, well, was teaching to a large crowd, specifically on a boat. So, and he was, you know, teaching about the kingdom of God. It says there, Mark has given that, that little bit of chunk to us in the, at, the very, at the very beginning. So that's the context it sits in. Now, our key characters and key points in this is the seed. And secondly, we can kind of say that the birds that then, you know, come up when the seed grows into the large bush or tree, the birds come in. But primarily, what our key character is, is the seed. And then we get to the, the meaty bit. What does it mean? Well, it's, think of it, you've got to think, well, we, we look at the context that it sits in, and so we have to think of it, it at the time, what this parable meant and what it meant to the people listening to it. And for the mustard seed, it actually reflects Jesus' ministry. It reflects his life. Foremost and importantly, it reflects Jesus' ministry. See, when people with, when the word Messiah was spoken during the time of Jesus, everyone thought, oh, it's a man on a horse with a sword and shield riding into battle because the Romans were in town and we want them gone and this Messiah is going to drive them out. But what did heaven reply with? Heaven replied with a baby boy. It didn't reply with a warrior coming into battle. It was a kid. It was a child. And that child then grew up, started from small beginnings, grew up, was teaching, was discipling, got his 12 disciples and then let them go out, which then created the wider church. 
created the bush, the trees for us as the birds to then come under. So you may be thinking, all right, how does this then apply to, how do, Josh, how does this apply to us? You know, this is all great and all that we, know, we now know what the parables mean and we know now how to interpret them, but what, what's this, what's, how, do we, how do we apply this to us? Well, and the question is, how does, how, do our, how does our faith grow? Remember what Kerry said last week, the parables of the sower. So Jesus is the sower, the farmer, the word is the seed, and we are the soil. And because Jesus has brought his new covenant, the seed has been planted, will grow within us. And when it grows, our faith grows. And this fulfills what Jesus was saying. We are growing the kingdom of God here on earth with our own faith, with our own, you know, faith that's been planted within us. See, as Christians and as Jesus followers, we need to be like the mustard seed. And to do this, this is, this is twofold for us. To be like the mustard seed, this is twofold for us. This is both internal and this is both external. So let's start with the internal part. Internally, our faith starts off small and will grow into something big, as big as a tree. Now, our faith may have been planted by different means. Maybe our, 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 you know, maybe it's you were growing up in a Christian household, so it was your parents. Maybe it was a friend that brought you to brought you to Jesus, to brought you to faith. Or it might have been through other means that your faith started, started small. Like, like a seed or a plant, the conditions have to be right. And the plant needs nourishment for it to grow. And so maybe that nourishment, and, and remember, our faith is like the seed. So we need to give nourishment to our, our, our faith, to our seed that we have, so that it can grow. So maybe that nourishment might come from sitting in the Word more, maybe spending more time reading different passages and reading different Bibles, doing different Bible studies. Maybe you need someone to be accountable for you. Maybe you need those friends there with you that can hold you accountable for your, for your faith and your actions. Or maybe you need to be in community a bit more so that you can share what you're your learning, your faith, or the others can share their faith towards you. Now, this one, you have to identify this within yourself. This is a person, this internal thing is, an, is a personal one for you. So what nourishment are you giving your own faith? What nourishment are you giving your own faith? Because without nourishment, what happens? The plant wilters. And finally, externally. So internally, we're going we're gonna to water our plant internally. But externally, when our faith, like in the parables, has, been, has grown, started off small and grown as big as a tree, big as the bush that can then shelter those around us. We can be like Jesus and we can disciple other people that come in. We can use our branches to shelter, but also give nourishment. We can feed them so that their faith can grow. Now, we can do this by, you know, again, being in community with people, 
being there for people if there's a friend that you might need to just message every now and again or it's in the back of your head that you just you need to contact them, ring them, or, you know, maybe you just need to live life with people in order to nourish them. But also remember that you need to read the Bible with people. Read the Word. Spread the Word with, with people. Share the good news of God with people so that they can feel nourishment. And then what happens then, and what the real exciting thing is there, is that our tree has started, our, our faith has started small and has grown into this large tree. And then we've been able to shelter people and start their faith and their faith starts small and then grows into a large tree. And then what happens? They then can shelter people and the, the whole cycle continues. And this is fulfilling what Jesus is saying, is it's growing the kingdom of God from our own small faith. From Jesus' small beginnings, our faith grows that can then grow other people's faith. So I challenge you, be like the mustard seed. Just like Jesus' ministry, let your faith start off small and grow into something big. But it doesn't stop there. Allow it to shelter others so that their faith can grow and do likewise. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we've been able to sit here in the word, that we've been able to hear your message, that you've been able to... Uh, Give me the courage to, to, to stand up here because you know that I've been, ner been real nervous and uh, thank you for everything that you've done for myself but for your kingdom as it grows for those around that are able to listen. I pray that we can be like the mustard seed, Lord, that our faith starts off small and can grow into great things just like Jesus' ministry did. Lord, and I pray that we're able to also then show to others to give them nourishment, Lord, that, that we can grow their faith and their faith can grow and do likewise. I pray for the wider week and that we go out and we can be, be like the mustard seed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.